0: Hello everyone and welcome back. I'm your host Fanny and uh, with me today is actually someone who is a very, very special uh, friend of mine, someone I've known for quite some time who's been a, uh, a mentor of mine. Uh, just to give you guys a bit of a background over to who my, uh, my next guest is, just know that this dude is the definition of, uh, of a hustler. You know, we're dating back to when he was 11 years old. This guy grew up working in more industries than I can even count, delivering newspapers, dishwashing, delivering car parts for Napa, shoveling driveways and even selling power bands at like random gyms. Like talk about a grind and someone who just wanted to make it from the get go. Uh, This is just the definition of who this this individual is. Um, So honestly, without getting into too much of it, I just want to uh, introduce this person to you guys without further ado, Mr. Fatty Camel. How are you, sir?
1: Good, good, man. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm honored to to be here. I don't just, you know, I'm not just saying that. I, I mean it, man. It's um, it's really cool to to be part of anything that you do. Um, you, again, you said it. We've known each other for a couple of years now, and um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm all for anything Fatty Ukim uh, puts up.
0: Wow, bro. I I really appreciate the support, man. Honestly, and and you always support everything I do from from insurance, which we'll talk about in depth and and up until, you know, this podcast and everything. So, I really do appreciate that, man. How's uh how's everything been since the quarantine? How are the little ones?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good. Um a lot easier for me because I've kind of been going into the office. I've been the only one at the office, so uh it hasn't been an issue like in terms of being around, you know, other people, but um, it's easy for me to go to work. It's it's my wife who uh, who has the challenge of taking care of them all day. So oh, it's, um, geez. You know, you realize how much a work it is when when you do it for an hour or two, and you're like, "Wow, how did she do this for eight hours?" So um, it's definitely been a challenge, but I think we quickly realized that you're never going to spend that much time at home with your kids. So um I would say kind of halfway through or the later part we really tried to enjoy it as uh, as much as we can. They're back in in daycare now actually they just started last week.
0: Uh, oh yeah, they're back now.
1: Yeah, yeah, but okay. we definitely enjoyed the time at home like as as much as we can, man. It uh, it's true. You're never going to spend that much time with your family, so you might as well enjoy it.
0: I, I agree 100%, and I actually had, um, obviously, you know, your cousin, JP. Uh, he was on, and Bess and Hannah was on as well. And awesome. uh, everyone seems to be talking about the blessing in disguise, you know, with quarantine and getting to spend time with the kids. But I think every single one of you has brought up the struggle of having to be like a, like a full-time teacher almost. Um, sure. obviously with quarantine. So it's a it's a blessing in disguise, but a struggle for a lot of us guys especially. I'm sure it's just another day in, in all the wives' lives, the moms' lives. Yes, yeah, definitely. Doing I mean, their could, thing.
1: You can sit home and, and cry and, and be stressed out, or you can enjoy it and make the best of it, right? And, uh, you know, we all have to deal with the same thing. I think it's, it's how we choose to handle it that makes a difference, right? Like you can speak to someone who said, I've been home with my kids and it's been the worst two months ever. And someone else will tell you, I've been home with my kids and I've had the greatest two months ever. So it's really how you handle it, right? It's how you choose to handle
0: it. Absolutely. And uh, last thing before we get into the business talk, how's life been without uh, attending 905 games?
1: That's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's been tough, man. Not just me, but the little guy has, uh, has not stopped asking me when we're gonna go again, and who knows when we're gonna go again. Um, I was really close to watching a C-E-E-B-L game. That's kinda how, um, I wouldn't say desperate I was, but I was like, <laughs> give me any organized basketball. I don't care who's playing. So, uh, yeah, that's something that, that I enjoy. I'm sure, uh, you know, you, you joined me a couple times. You see, how fun it is and and how much we enjoy it so it's been tough but eventually it'll be back
0: the most the most recent time I joined you I actually met Terrence Davis so I was uh that that's something I'll never forget Terrence Davis Uh, in his rookie year that's pretty cool yeah yeah, let's get right into it bros can you tell us um just before we uh, unfold everything what it is that you are doing right now
1: yeah, for sure. So actually, as of May first, just a, a couple of months ago, I, I opened up uh, an insurance brokerage. Um, so we specialize in commercial and business insurance. Uh, so we insure any type of business operation. So whether it's a restaurant, you know, a factory, uh, a trucking company, any any type of business really. Um, and of course, we also do home and auto insurance. So we work with you know 20 plus companies to to find you the best rates. Uh, for home and auto, um, you know, some of the, the stuff that really works for us, of course, we love, uh, you know, multiple vehicles and a house and people with no accidents and no tickets um, because we are able to find them really good rates. We also love the other side of it, you know, if somebody has caught a really bad speeding ticket, for example, or a DUI, uh, or they have challenges with a specific business that other companies won't insure. Uh, we kind of have specialty companies that uh, that can help with those unique type of uh, policies that are needed.
0: Oh no way! So next time I uh, I got a I got a crappy speeding ticket, I just hit you up and and you'll get rid of it for me.
1: Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say <laughs> I'll get rid of it. but uh, I can find you the best price uh, yeah. on your insurance, but y- you yeah, know we'll what? See.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a bit of a plug here because you I don't know if you know this, but my boy a couple years back came to you. Because he was like, he could not get insured anywhere. His insurance was just not having it with his driving record. And <laughs> I remember I, I sent him your number and he came back. He's like, dude, this is the best price I've seen in years, yeah. <laughs> years. And he, I just talked to him like a couple weeks ago. He's like, My, everything just cleared off the record like a month ago. He's back to normal now. So guys, hit up Fatty. Hit me up and I'll and I'll I'll get you the contact information. Yeah, but.
1: either either fed, he will take care of you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: So, yo, I I had no idea that you started your own thing uh, just about four or five months ago. Congratulations, man!
1: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. So, uh, I was working under a broker for the last couple of years, and um, plan was actually to to buy him out. So he he was planning on leaving the the industry. And, uh, really close to kind of making that happen. Like I was gonna, we had the financing and we were about to sit down and sign paperwork. And for whatever reason, uh, the deal didn't work out. Um, I was ready. I, I won't say the reason, but I, I was fully ready to go. It didn't work out. And honestly, it was, it was a blessing in disguise. I, I knew when I, I had told him, if it doesn't work, I'm starting my own office. Uh, so it, you know, it worked out that way. I got to. You know, start my own from scratch, which which was uh, a lot of fun, has been a lot of fun. Um, the coolest part, I think, about that is I actually got to open an office kind of where I grew up. So our uh, branch is called the Aaron Mills Branch. Um, so that's that's home for me. Like I, I lived there for almost 30 years in, in Aaron Mills. And that's the only place I lived when we moved here. Like we, we didn't move around. Um, so it, it's really cool and a blessing that I was able to open up uh, an office, literally where I grew up for thirty years
0: that's that's amazing man congrats, and we'll talk all about that uh sure uh, towards the end of the show so tell me about um what you did in school what was your what's your educational background
1: so um <laughs> in high school my grades weren't the best i wasn't uh, i wasn't the best student you should you can say so uh, i ended up going to college tell me about college. it <laughs> yeah yeah i laugh because i'm sure many people will kind of feel uh, the same about their high school oh yeah yeah.
0: Oh, yeah so
1: uh, i ended up going to college i kind of knew my grades wouldn't get me into university so i said you know what let's get into college at least and then from there you can uh, hopefully get get into uni so i went to humber uh, i did marketing It uh, at Humber, also did uh, business admin. So I kind of got two diplomas from there. And my goal was always to, you know, continue to get a degree. uh, And that's exactly what I did. So I got those diplomas. I actually found uh, a really good business school in Michigan that uh, worked with Humber. So they credited a lot of uh, the classes and the diploma. So I could get my degree a little bit quicker. So went out to Michigan, uh, which was a lot of fun. I always knew I wanted to go away for school. I really wanted to experience being on my own and uh, just yeah living on your own and dealing dealing with all the things that come with that. So that was a great experience for me. I think I learned a lot just about uh, myself and and how to do my laundry and how to uh, take care (laughs) of uh, take care of things at home. So um, I highly recommend that. Like even if I think if you're here and you're going to you know a school that's maybe an hour away and you have an option to commute. Um, if you can, it, I think it's a great experience to, to just get away. And I really found that I was able to focus on just studying and focus on the work. Like uh, sometimes you have distractions that they're not necessarily bad distractions, um, but they're still distractions that take you off of your goal nonetheless, right? So, uh, you know, like a, a good friend of yours, you always want to talk to him, right? Or like your parents, you love to talk to them. But if you're if you're focused on something, um, any type of anything that takes you away from your goal can be considered a distraction. So I think I I was really able to focus and and I studied really hard. Like I I had great, great grades. Um, Even at Humber, I had really good grades. And then uh, that kind of translated into the U.S. So I did international business uh, and marketing in in the U.S. And – yeah that's kind of where my education took me after after high school
0: yeah no i was actually fortunate enough as well to move out of school or move out for university i went to brock in st catherine so again awesome. it's like you said about an hour away but it was more so i was just ready to to be responsible to grow up i needed it it was sure. it was <laughs> like i like we have a like you were saying your journey it's very very similar to mine in the sense where i didn't really i wasn't I don't like to call myself like not smart, but I definitely wasn't taking it seriously. Like I was just posting, you, like you know. When you're you're chilling in high school, you know, you got friends and your boys and you're playing ball and whatnot. So there's so many things that are going on that you don't, you know. I personally don't want to study or waste time studying. Uh, so I think personally, moving out. Uh, was pivotal for my growth as a as an individual but tell me about like what's that like living in a whole different country a whole different culture that that's crazy man like depending on where you were in michigan too it could be very very different
1: yeah definitely um that's that's interesting that you asked so it was only you know four hours away um so it wasn't that far but it felt like a completely different country in a different place um i was in i was in a nicer i guess you can call it area of michigan so i wasn't too worried kind of about you know, the, the dangerous parts of the U S or the dangerous parts in, in Michigan. Um, but for me, you know, I, I think the biggest uh, adjustment and the biggest thing I had to really learn is just to, to deal with things on my own, right? Like there wasn't someone that you could call and say, Hey, can you pick me up? Or uh, I was actually biking to school. Um, so I, I stayed at uh, you know, a house just off, off of campus and I was taken every day to school. So, uh, I think the biggest adjustment or the biggest difference for me was not having anyone to really rely on to to help me with whatever I needed. Um, you know how here, especially in our community, and it's a great thing, like we have a lot of people that you could lean on and a lot of people that you can call for support and and that's really important. Um I, I think that helps a lot. But I think you also need to realize at some point that you have to do certain things on your own. These people aren't going to be here supporting you forever. So that was the biggest adjustment in terms of, you know, U S and Canada, pretty close. Um, not too much different there, but yeah, I was considered an international student. Uh, so, <laughs> so I was, that's is
0: Isn't that <laughs> funny though? Like, cause you think about like, well, we're used to is it what an international student is. And then you look at us, it's like at this point, man, you're just charging me more. Like I'm pretty much <laughs> from the same culture. <laughs> Speak the yeah, same language. I, <laughs>
1: I was actually in many classes with like real international students who barely spoke English. Um, and, and we were all kind of taking classes together. So there was, yes, like ESL, I had to take an ESL course. Um, and yeah, it was interesting. I, uh, I can't say I, I paid too much
0: attention in that class. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no, I I completely understand that. But I want to talk to you a bit about uh, your marketing because you did your undergrad. Well, you went to college and you did your BBA in marketing. And then when you did, when you went to university in Michigan, you also did marketing uh, with international business. But the common denominator was marketing. So I'm assuming there was a period of time where you had a passion for marketing. Can you tell me a bit about that? Like, why did you choose marketing? Um Did you ever get a job in marketing as well? for
1: sure so I had um a teacher in high school that that just kind of made the subject interesting and and really made it uh fun and attractive to me um but yeah early on i I really felt i think it was more than, than marketing and it kind of falls under marketing is kind of the advertising piece like you know ads and uh, uh, buyer behaviors and things like that uh, that that I really interest me so Going into uh, marketing here at Harvard lot and then I definitely wanted to stay in that field. Marketing, I think, involves so many different things, right? There's, there's advertising, and there's um, so I really felt like no matter where I want to be, no matter what company or industry, I could use uh, marketing to help me there. And you know, without really knowing it, I ended up uh, today being in more of a sales, uh, owning more of a sales kind of business, but. My interest in marketing, yes, started a and I think um, I realize that you can apply it to many different areas of business, which is why I kind of stuck with it.
0: No, that's good. Yeah, I feel like um, now, especially like fast forward a bunch of years, you start your own practice. Marketing knowledge is going to be very important. Like I'm sure at this point, you've you've already having worked uh, in you know under a broker for so many years. You've probably already built a clientele. Um, I'm not really sure what your details are between the broker and you I don't know if you're able to take clients over with you but regardless you're going to need to build your current brand so marketing knowledge is for sure going to be helpful in that sense Um, so what what made you or when did you make that switch over to insurance was it a specific event in your life uh, that got you into insurance like how did you how did you get into that field
1: yeah so I uh, when I graduated school came back uh, moved, moved back here and Got a job at a TD um, – sorry, not TD, Bell. Bell Mobility is is where I started just kind of work after after school. Um, it was in a call center, so it was like a customer service role. And at the time, you know, I wasn't too satisfied. I, I kind of wanted a little bit more. So I applied for a job at uh, TD Insurance. Not thinking much of it, like, hey, you know, let's just apply and, and get out of here and see what's next um and they really liked the fact that i had previous call center experience so you know i think with a company like that they look and say insurance we can kind of teach um you know you can learn insurance you can study it etc they wanted somebody with customer service and kind of a call center background so that's i guess one of the reasons i i got a call back and uh, and that's really what started my my insurance career so st- <clears throat> excuse me started at td as a customer service, kind of answering calls, uh, doing home, home and auto. And from there, I uh, I really realized that this is a place uh, – I think th- there's a lot more here than just a call center job, uh, and there's there's a real industry here, and uh, that's kind of where it all started.
0: Okay, so you got into it uh, through the banking side of it. Uh, so you were doing, I guess, insurance through the bank. So the difference is there, you're subject to the bank's products. The bank's rates can't really – uh, I guess compare is that is that a little bit of what what it was like to yeah, work there for sure, yeah. so it is like
1: okay. t d insurance uh but yeah, it's just representing one company, so uh you know someone calls you for a quote, you're just giving them t d s quote uh t d s rules exactly so uh you're you're basically following the one company's uh guidelines if you compare it kind of a broker an agent. Uh, today, as a as a brokerage, we work with twenty different companies. So, say twenty TDs, uh, and they all have their different rules, different um, things that they accept, don't accept, different you know pricing, etc. So that's kind of the difference when you work for those direct companies. Uh, you're just learning kind of one one way of doing things, I guess.
0: For sure. So I know that. Um, well, the reason why I know is because I have my insurance to sell or my license to sell insurance, rather, which you know about as well. I sell a different type of insurance. It's more um, the health, life, disability, group benefits aspect of it. Uh, so it's a little bit different. But the way I came across uh, insurance is right after school, I was uh, I interviewed for Investors Group and Sun Life. And one was a financial planner position. One was a insurance advisor position. At the time, I honestly had no idea what either one was. Um, I I was honestly I couldn't tell you. I was more attracted to the Sun Life job just because I knew Sun Life as a better brand, a better company name. But again, I was just a a, like a naive young graduate and just looking for a job. And I ended up getting my license to sell insurance. But then I was I was sort of thrown into the cold call, find your own clients market. Uh, And at a time where I had you know student debts to pay. My parents were like, "Yo, you're done school. You're working." Like I was probably seeing my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, um, for probably six, seven years. So you have to start thinking about getting a ring, and so I'm like, "Yo, I can't really be working, you know, commission commission only right out of school." Um, so that kind of deterred me away from from the insurance. Like I still have my license now. I I don't actively pursue and sell. It's a great opportunity. I just with with that you know setback, I haven't really found the time, but. I, as far as I'm concerned, I could be wrong, but when you work for a bank with insurance, you have, um, you have your salary, your salary and income, and then I'm I'm sure you have like your KPIs, your performance indicators, and you know budgets that you have to meet and whatnot. Um, how was it, you know, starting out in the industry having that kind of security? If you did have that kind of security,
1: that was huge, man. I think if if I had to jump into a sales like straight commission only rule. Yeah, it's not as uh, enticing, of course, right? It's not as attractive to have to really grind from day one. Um, so that, that, yeah, so that helped me a lot. Like, uh, at TD, you know, it was a, it was a salaried role. Even, um, I had another couple of roles and they were all kind of salaried roles. I was never on straight commission and that, um, I think that, that helps a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, it really helps bring, build your confidence. Uh, just to know that you 're you 're backed by a larger organization, so for example, when I was at Aviva Insurance, they paid for a lot of my education um, so I, I did a lot of different courses and and they really supported that so having that I think uh, just gives you a little bit of an edge to go do other things and to go push yourself and challenge yourself where if you 're really just focused on you know commission and on selling, at least at the beginning um, then it kind of worries you if you're not doing that well, where if you have a salaried role and if you have other things to, to kind of continue to to push you and challenge you, that uh, that definitely helps. So with that being said, um, when the time came, I had already kind of planned what I was going to do, but when the time came, I gave up a, a really – really good not necessarily uh paywise good like it, it was a good paying job but when i say really good it was a really good position it was a really good role uh as a senior underwriter at a company to to just start from scratch like literally i went from you know x salary to zero the next day and um i and i think that would have been a lot tougher if i didn't have years of you know support from a bigger company or a bigger organization
0: yeah and i that's actually interesting you bring that up because i sort of wanted to segue right into that and like the biggest struggle for anybody especially when you have a family if you're married whatnot is how do i just make that jump and go from you know security uh, benefits all that stuff to having nothing and i need i need to survive right so talk to me about that decision like how many years before you actually took the decision, did you know that that was the decision that you wanted to make?
1: Yeah, so I think when I really uh, realized that this is the place for me and, and this is kind of the, the future that I see for me, it was at a brokerage. So uh, I'll quickly kind of take you through my my journey in insurance kind of to, to where we got to making that jump from the company side to the sales side. So I started at TT, Um After that, I got a job at... Um, at a brokerage. So once I started learning a little bit more about insurance, I realized that, hey, brokerages have so many different options and they do commercial insurance, et cetera. Uh, so it was definitely a, a place that I wanted to be. Got a job with, um, with the Shepherd Group, which is a brokerage is a brokerage in Toronto. And, um, I think right at that meeting, uh, at the interview, I realized this is somewhere that I can see myself. So the owner of the brokerage, uh, at the time big shout out to to Neil Shepard uh really really good dude um he's got a a very interesting background so no high school education he grew up like in Malvern um really really had to come from from uh places that are are tough to to succeed uh and he ended up you know at the brokerage building it eventually uh, he was an employee, so kind of helped build it, eventually bought it. Uh, so that's kind of uh, my mentor in, in the space. Like we're still great friends till today, but when – uh, sorry after after the Shepherd group, I went on to uh, some underwriting rules uh, at Aviva i I did some personal and commercial underwriting and then at, at travelers uh, after that. But when I really met uh, Neil is when I realized hey there 's a lot of opportunity here. this is something that I want to do, and I kind of set a plan uh, eventually down the road to to open up a brokerage or to to start uh, sales i didn 't know when it would happen. Uh, the opportunity to join the insurance company kind of came first and, and that was great for me because I got to see the inside of underwriting and, you know, the corporate side. So as a broker, how you're dealing with those companies and how they deal with you. So that, that really helped me. Um, but at the end of the day, that, that's when I really decided I, I met Neil in that interview and I, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was, I think in 2011, um, but we kind of looked at each other. He asked me an interview question and you know how it is during interviews. Um, you kind of have to make stuff up on the spot when you get oh, yeah. these questions. So I can't remember what he asked me, but I know, you know, I answered it and he, I looked at him and he was just like, he kind of knew I was, I wouldn't call it BSing, but he knew I was making it sound better than it was. And he liked it. He, he really liked the <laughs> fact that, um, that I was quick and I was giving a good answer. So, uh, that's. You know, really where it all started in terms of, you know what, this is in insurance, uh, owning a brokerage, kind of um, owning your own business in insurance is really the only way to not have a cap on your income. Right. Um, and I think I really realized that when when I was working for these insurance companies, I kind of looked around and I said, hey, I, I got a great job what would be next? You know, if, if I ever got to like a VP role or uh, one of those higher up positions, first of all, look around. Uh, <laughs> chances are, you're not going to get in there. Um, but if you ever did, you know, what's the max that you're going to earn? There is some kind of cap. Um, and for that reason, I realized that, you know, starting the brokerage or being a part of a brokerage in sales in general. There is no cap. It's, it's how hard you work. It's how bad you want it and how much effort you put in. So that that's really where my um, interest started for brokerage ownership, I guess, um, after meeting meeting Neil and uh, yeah, to make that jump from travelers to uh, to all risks. So about four years ago, I was still uh, underwriting for an insurance company and I wasn't very happy with kind of the environment and where I was. And I realized, you know what, I, I think it's time. Um, so I first and foremost, what I did to really prepare myself for that jump is I started spreading the word before I even had a brokerage that I was going to. So in insurance, we like to collect what we call X dates or expiry dates. And that's, you know, finding out when people's policies renew because close to then is when you want to give them quotes to try to beat their um, their price, et cetera. So I started collecting those X dates probably a couple months before I, I even um, found a brokerage or before I made the jump. So I was already making a list, already spreading the word, letting people know, like, this is what I'm doing uh, or what I will be doing. So I would say that helped me in – Kind of setting myself up to say, yeah, this is what you're gonna do. Go do it, and be prepared before you kind of jump in. Um, at the same time, it was kind of like there's no turning back. Like I'm starting to tell everyone I've already I'm already doing this, uh, and I can't change my mind now. So uh, it was definitely tough, but I think what really helped me was was preparing, was being being ready. Like I I didn't just wake up the next day and say, all right, I'm done. I'm gonna start selling now. Uh, I had a list already of Whatever it was, you know, uh, a, a couple names, probably 50 to 100 different people's names and, uh, and expiry dates that gave me that confidence to, to jump in. I mean, it was still a challenge. I, I think in my first year, I made something like $12,000 or something like that. So, uh, God bless my wife at the time. Um, we, we had just got married who, uh, who helped me kind of get through that year. Um, but I think it goes back to kind of, that Fred Van Vliet mentality, right? Is that like, on yourself? That on yourself, Right. So, um, I knew the work that I had put in. I knew kind of the experience that I had. Eventually it was going to work. Yeah. It was going to take some time and it was going to be tough, but I, I had those expectations. I knew the beginning was going to be a challenge, right? like, I called other brokers and, and kind of spoke to them. You know, there's, there's actually a, a big broker, uh, in, in our community, in our church, George Gailey, who's a, a great dude. And I, I reached out to him and I said, hey, look, George, this is what I want to do. And one out of respect to him, uh, because he's part of the community and he ensures a lot of people in the community. So I, I wanted to make sure he heard it from me that like, this is what I'm doing. And, um, I kind of wanted his blessing a little bit as opposed to hearing it from someone else. Um, So, so that really helped me reaching out to people who have done it, uh, people who have done the same thing to get their advice, um, and to just, to just really prepare myself. Uh, you know, I look back and say it took me kind of 10 years to, to open this up, right? Like it it took me a long time to learn and to be prepared for it. But at the end of the day, uh, it was all really in God's timing. Like there, I could, I could talk for hours about different, um, opportunities and different situations where God basically came in and said, "Uh, no, I don't think so. (laughs) And I was asking questions like, why? But hold on. Um, I'll give you a really, really neat example. Uh, So when I was at Aviva, I was in personal lines and I really had a goal to get into commercial insurance. I knew that that's where I wanted to be. At Aviva, you know, I, again, I had a, a good job there. Like I was an underwriter. Uh, the only thing it was, it was in a call center, so it, it was still a call center environment. So you didn't feel like, uh, you know, you were a full-on underwriter. You still felt like a call taker or, or being in a call center. Uh, the difference is, I knew where I wanted to go, and I knew uh, the goals that I had for myself. So I would, I was literally coming in every day in a suit, like fully suited, even though I was in a call center. And the guy beside me was in khakis. Like my supervisor would come in in khakis and like running shoes. Um, but I was in there every day in, in a shirt and tie because I knew I, I wanted to be somewhere else. I, I didn't want to stay there. Uh, eventually, I got a, um, uh, sorry, I got an interview for a commercial role in, uh, in Aviva as well. And that was in Scarborough. So I was working in Scarborough. That commercial department was also in Scarborough. And it was like small commercial, you know, just to get started. So I went for the interview, I even had like a, another coworker and a supervisor put in a good word for me. I went for the interview. And for whatever reason, I didn't get the job. And I just kept kind of asking myself, like, that doesn't make sense, right? Like, I'm here in a suit every day, and everybody knows where I want to be. And everybody knows the work that I can do. So why am I not getting this? And I kind of questioned a lot of things. Uh, and one of them of course. was quest- questioning God. is like, why, God? The- I work hard. Why don't I have this? Um, and I quickly realized, uh, I'm telling you, Fanny, since that day, I've never questioned uh, God's plans for me. Like, I might be upset. I might be annoyed. But I've never, after that day, said, God, why are you doing this? Um, and the reason being is Another opportunity came up for a commercial role and it ended up being in Mississauga. Oh,
0: close wow. Home.
1: Yeah. Uh, cool thing about it is the department was actually larger commercial risks. So it was somewhere that I was going to learn even more. Um, I got to keep kind of my, you can call it salary, even though that role was a little bit of a lower role because it was a larger commercial um, department. So, I ended up getting that job and um and learning way more than I ever would have in scarborough it was It was at square one I lived at like Winston in the four three at the time. I was literally in my house like before four o'clock. I would work like seven thirty to three thirty and I was home before four whereas wow. in Scarborough I was working like eleven to seven or twelve to eight sometimes just to avoid the traffic so uh that's just one of the stories where I really realized like it's not up to you, man, like work hard and have your plans, but at the end of the day, you're not gonna decide how this works. That's already kind of decided for you, so I think definitely putting that faith um faith in God and and trusting his plan for you, um whether it that makes sense today or not um and there's so many like I have many of those you know small examples, small signs that uh, that he's directed me to to where I am today
0: absolutely and that's that's so inspirational to hear and uh, because you're so right man like not everything happens the way we want it to happen all the time like like our our God like our plan that God has for us could kick in in the next like eight to ten years and we don't even know that so some people want things to happen right now and it just you know it doesn't happen that's just not the way it's going to work sometimes and once you really grasp that and and stop worrying about the things that you can't control it'll take you so much further that's something that i'm learning as a young professional uh, as i continue to to grow and and you know be faced with different life experiences that you know there's just certain things that you you just have to be patient you have to understand that you know that maybe there's just something better in sight that it's you know it's going to be fine kind of thing um
1: for sure for sure
0: Let's uh let's talk a little bit about um, your involvement in in the cannabis industry because I saw something on Instagram uh, that you were uh, getting into that industry. Now that is a crazy crazy booming industry. Now I think it's uh, maybe slowed down a little bit from a couple of years ago as more players get involved as you know companies get bigger and bigger. Um, but a couple of years ago, that was a hot pocket, and I don't really know much about. Uh, the cannabis industry from an insurance perspective, my only experience with it is from my interview with besssem so uh let's talk a little bit about your uh sort of how did you get into that industry, or I guess when did you get into that industry
1: for sure so uh you spoke to bessem i I think today you said, um... I
0: did, yeah, so today like uh today in terms of the actual recording, but from when I released them, it'll probably be like a week difference
1: oh okay, yeah, 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 so, uh... yeah, yeah. yeah spoke to him. And um, yeah, I, I give all credit to to any uh, work I've done in insurance and cannabis specifically to BESB. So uh, first of all, great dude. Uh, and I'm not just saying that like, um, you know, we we all kind of grew up together at the time, you know, back then the, the community was a little bit smaller. So we were all kind of part of the same uh, community, same church. You know, there was only one church. There was only one or two Sunday school classes. So we really got to kind of see each other. I, I can't say like I had a personal or a really close relationship to Besson growing up. Um, but we were all kind of part of the same circle. So getting to, to know him and, and kind of see what he's done. Um, I don't think anybody, you know, deserves it more than he does. And, and those things again, God decides, right? Like the things you do come back in, in, in mysterious ways. And I think, I think he's been blessed. Uh, because of the, the work that he does and, and how much he helps people. And, you know, a lot of people might be in his position uh, and they won't be doing half of, of the, the work or even wanting to do half it's, of the, yeah. the charitable it's, work. It's
0: funny, it's funny that you say that, Fetty, because literally when I was talking to him and I, I just kept thinking to myself, like, okay, maybe, yes, I am a younger individual who probably hasn't seen, you know, many people in Besim's position, but I, I just felt like there was something different about him you know like there's just something about the way that and not just him there's a few guys from church uh, from For your sure. generation specifically um, who all they want to do is to give back and enrich and empower the community which is For to sure. me it's like like how do you just have it in you to just keep going and going and bringing and uplifting people up around you like a lot of times when you know when people are faced with the success that, you know, he's faced obviously with, with Terrace and and other endeavors that he's doing. Um, It's so easy to just like stop, you know, like and just retire or enjoy your life or, you know, go somewhere. Like he's just always grinding and always looking for a way to make the community better. So I just, I wanted to chime in and say that because I I was saying the same thing earlier, but it's, it's great to hear someone else say like, not just someone, you know, who's hosting the podcast. It could be biased or whatnot.
1: No, definitely. And I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you said it. Like you said, there's a few people from church and I think, you know, you could ask Bass. I mean, he, he most likely will tell you the same thing. A lot of that comes from the church, right? Like a lot of that mentality and, um, you know, humbleness, et cetera, that comes from the church and comes from how we were raised and where we were raised. Like we grew up in the church, right? Um, and, and those things, and you can see it and it shows, right? So um, yeah, g- great dude, man. Great dude. I, I owe a lot of uh, a lot of where I am today uh, to him. And again, it's something like really simple. So how I got started in the cannabis space, I, um, Bessem was one of the guys that I called to ensure and uh, to get his, you know, expiry dates and to hopefully ensure his business. At the time, it was Omega. Uh, and basically just to let him know, hey, you know, I'm starting as a broker, uh, I'd love a chance to to get you any quotes and be your broker. So I started insuring uh, like a rental property for one of his clients. And that's really where it started. And, the, you know, one or two others rental properties that we didn't all of a sudden he said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm working on this project. Is this something that you can do? Uh, and I was always taught to say yes, uh, never say no, and then figure <laughs> it out. So I figure uh, it out later. Yeah, for sure. So I I was honest with Batsim and I said, look, you know, I, I haven't, but yeah, I'm going to find a way and, and, and we'll figure it out and, and we'll work together to get it done. So, uh, in terms of opening up my eyes to, uh, the opportunity in cannabis, and I think, I think Bassam did that for a lot of people where he could have just kind of stayed quiet and enjoyed it on his own, but I, I think he helped, um, a lot of people in our community specifically to, uh, to benefit from whatever he was doing. And, uh, and I was one of them. So he, he we started with uh, a policy for uh, for Tercent for for one of the buildings that they had and it really just took off from there i mean i saw an opportunity for a, a booming industry an industry that uh, there was really no insurance before right it was illegal so that the the product the insurance policy uh didn't even exist before these companies started asking for it. So, uh, it was in 2016 that, that we kind of started and that's when, uh, when Terracent was, was setting up their operations. And I, I really just saw this opportunity and I focused uh, on cannabis specifically. So I was attending, you know, multiple seminars. Um, I was just speaking to as many people as I could, just trying to learn as much as I could. So even from the insurance company side, at the time there was a couple, insurance companies who did uh, insure medical cannabis uh, facilities, but there wasn't much. There was only a few. So I kind of got uh, in contact with the ones who had a little bit of experience already, uh, you know, took them out to lunch, actually took them out to the golf course and just tried to really learn um, from them what to expect in this industry. So uh, that was a lot of fun for me. I think getting into something new um, that nobody knows about is is really good because when you're speaking to someone you know, you can be honest and you can say like, this is new for us, right? We're going to find the answers as opposed to having to pretend like, you know, the answer. Um, and and that for me was, was, I think, one of the funnest parts. Like, I remember getting up at like, you know, 6am to be at these conferences downtown for eight, just to hear people speak. And like, um, eventually, I said, you know, I want to speak at these conferences. Like, I can do that. I want to do that. And it wasn't so much about you know, like about business or about getting business out of it. It was just me setting a goal for myself that I wanted to achieve, and um, I did actually last year speak at a couple of different conferences. Hopefully, doing some more this year. Um, so yeah, getting getting in that space, I think for me has been a lot of fun. When I first started in 2016, uh, I went to a conference downtown, Lyft Lyft Expo. At the time, was was one of the bigger conferences, and uh, there was three insurance brokers at the conference. Um, you know, specialized, not specializing, but trying to, to get into kind of cannabis insurance. Last year, uh, I wasn't able to attend, I was out of town, but I think there was something like 35 brokers Holy. at the conference, and that's in three years, right, 16 to 19. So you kind of see the opportunity, um, what's happened in that industry, you know, a lot of things have changed, but for me, getting in there really early um, helped me today To say, yeah, we were there in 2016 before anybody else, and uh, and we started insuring companies before anybody else. So, uh, like if you look back now, I can I can say since 2016 I've been working with cannabis companies, and uh, and that's something that's really helped me build uh, a niche and a name in the cannabis space. Um, The coolest part for me is that I got to kind of mesh the two together, right? So this is a new, um, you know, big industry. Uh, I I'm experienced in insurance, I know insurance, I sell insurance, uh, and everyone in the space needs some kind of liability insurance. So it was was awesome for me to kind of bring those two pieces together to use the expertise that I have uh, in insurance that I built up over the years and apply it to kind of the cannabis, uh, the industry that was up and coming.
0: That's awesome, man. I actually had no idea you got in in 2016. That's really like prime time to get in. Uh, and for sure, like, obviously, sure. like, shout, like you said, shout out to Bessem like for seeing that opportunity. I Actually, um, in our interview, I did ask him, like, how he got in. And it was such a it was such a last minute thing. And he was telling me, like, he was just talking to somebody whose husband happened to be in that space. And then he went home and researched it and was like, wow, this is happening in seven months is becoming legal. Let's get this going. And obviously, he talked to Mike and I think the other guy was VJ. And uh, the, the rest is history, man. So uh, good for you guys uh, making a name for the community. I love it. And um, I want to ask you one thing, though, because I don't I, obviously I do insurance. Uh, it's different than the one that you do, but uh, it's still insurance. And I think you can attest to the fact that in our community, it's very, very uncommon. Like, I think you, you're the only other broker I know. Like you mentioned George Ghali. I, I've i never heard of George Ghali. So, like, I don't know how many, you know, are within our community. But I can off the off the top of my head name you like five pharmacists, five doctors, five (laughs) lawyers, you know, et cetera. That's just like like without even thinking about it. So talk to me about um, did you feel any stigma from the community? Did you feel any um, any confusion from people when when you talked about what you did or um, just because like some people do definitely feel the stigma to be a certain profession, uh, whether it's, you know, your family pushes you that direction or people in your family are in that, uh, space. Did you ever feel that kind of, uh, pressure or, or societal like stigma?
1: Yeah. Are you, are you referring kind of specifically to cannabis? Because that's, that's because the
0: second part or that's, that's a hundred percent. And I, I'm definitely, gonna like, I can't wait for that one, but I just want to know from an insurance perspective, like when you're talking to people about what it is that you do, did, like, did you ever feel that?
1: Yeah, so for me, not quite, because I was already in the industry prior. Um, and I'm the kind of guy, like, I never considered myself, even till today, I don't consider myself a salesman, like a salesperson. Um, I find that if you, you know, if you build trust and if you really educate people, especially with insurance, nobody knows and nobody even cares about what's on that policy. They just want to know how much they're paying and that they have coverage, right? Um, so I think if you educate people, that really takes care of the sales piece so i don't find myself you know pushy as a salesman or anything like that and i think that helped so when when transitioning into an an industry like this it wasn't like hey i'm i'm selling now like let's talk right um it it was a little more natural uh and i was already kind of on the underwriting side of things so for insurance specifically no it uh, there was no real uh, stigma but yeah, if we talk cannabis, uh, I can imagine what, what someone like a Bessim had had to go through. And I think that might be one of the biggest challenges. Like one of the biggest things that people uh, shy away from these opportunities is because of what others will think of you, especially in our community. Right. Um, we're almost taught to not offend people and be careful what they will think of you. Um, at least I know for me growing up, that was really important. Like we didn't want to step on anybody's toes, even if it was the right thing to do. Um, I, me- <laughs> I remember my mom so many times. She'll be on the phone with whoever um, like, hey, you know, we'd love to have you over, like, you guys should come. And then as soon as she hangs up, she's like, ah, oh, damn it, they're coming tomorrow. And it's like, why are you asking them to come if you really don't want them to, right? uh, And I think that's because of the the social kind of expectation, right? It, it, you weren't doing things because you felt they were right. You were doing things to to continue that social, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the social aspects of uh, of where we came from so that's huge for me i think to get away from that is like it doesn't matter what they think you do what's best for you right
0: no no absolutely absolutely man that's uh it's it's a uh, it's a crazy it's a crazy ride like you never know and i guess it depends on who you talk to as well but uh i don't know that i've ever been confronted about the stigma but the stigma is very very much there and uh it's alive and well but uh thankfully you you haven't been called out for that, but uh, let's talk about the <laughs> cannabis side of it uh, because that is something that absolutely can shake up uh, an Egyptian person. <laughs> so t- 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 let's talk about that, man. Like what was, uh, what was that like? You started hitting Instagram with your, your posts about being involved in cannabis and uh, started losing Coptic followers or uh, <laughs> <laughs> how so was I, that?
1: I, I think Bess have definitely made that easier for everyone. Um, But at the end of the day, I I mean, yeah, it it was a little bit tough, but I think – I think people really had to understand what it is you're dealing with, right? Like, you know, before it was recreationally legalized, it was, uh, it is and was medicinal. So there was a lot of medicinal benefits of it. So, you know, like CBD, for example, you're starting to see athletes use it now for recovery. And, um, there's like pills that you can take and a lot of people don't really do their homework, right? They think of like, oh, cannabis, weed. No, it's stupid or, uh, you know, it loses your brain cells, et cetera. But there's so many different. Uh, things that you can apply that actually help you heal and recover. Believe it or not, I have um, my mom now using cannabis oil, like CBD oil. Um, right. And I'm yeah. Trying to help her kind of manage pain, a little bit of arthritis. So there's so many different benefits to it. And I think what I always looked at was like, this is much better. Uh, than any of those substances that we have come used to taking and have, are okay with. For example, alcohol or even prescription drugs, right? Like prescription drugs can do a lot more damage than CBD. Um, CBD has really uh, little known side effects, etc. So, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to go into all of that. But for me, I think uh I was really um, encouraged to, to, you know, uh, address those stigmas because I knew what cannabis can do like medicinally, And, um, you know, when you compare it to something like alcohol, alcohol is way worse, way more dangerous, but yet we drink and we pour each other drinks and like our parents are okay with us drinking, you know, here and there. Bro, open
0: uh, bar wedding is like a cultural <laughs> standard at it's this point. Must.
1: It's a must, right? Yeah. So, For me, when I look back and I say, man, like, if you just look back at, you know, friends, high school, uh, whoever, right, the community, you know, I know people who have lost a lot due to alcohol, due to, you know, gambling addictions, whatever it may be, certain addictions that, that they've lost a lot to. Cannabis? Um, I can't find many people who, who have, yeah,
0: Yeah. you're preaching to the choir. You're preaching to the (laughs) choir because I've all, I've always wanted to help people understand like, and, and the thing about it is like, it's automatically with some people, it's automatically assumed that if you're well-versed or educated in the topic of cannabis, that it's like, Oh, this guy, you know, stoner instantly. It's like, dude, like I can be well-versed in a lot of things, including the cannabis industry. I can understand um like the the upside of cannabis all so it's it's funny you bring up um that you had your mom or have your mom on some CBD solutions for for pain medication do you know al harrington you know al harrington right you ever hear of the company that he started? Sure. Viola. I, I can't remember the name. It was Viola something Vi- yeah. named after his grandma. But just to give a bit of a background to our listeners, if they don't know. Uh, but Al Harrington is a former NBA player. So NBA players are under strict um rules, pretty much. They, they get drug tested all the time. I think now it's a little bit different. But Actually, um, in
1: the bubble... Uh, they're not testing for recreational yeah, yeah. <laughs> recreational drugs. Yeah,
0: and and the bubble, they're not. And I actually have a funny thing to add to that. But um, a couple of years when like when Al Harrington was playing, it was fully illegal in in the country, fully uh, you know exempt from the NBA. Um, you'd you'd be put on a program. You know, there's a whole lot of things. So you'd obviously they treated
1: um, it like cocaine, like there was no yes, difference.
0: exactly. Exactly, but uh, but Al Harrington had like recurring injuries. I think it was some some knees, some back. Um, but he had a lot of just like recurring body pain he couldn't sleep properly he couldn't work out properly uh, and then they would just give him opioids and, and painkillers and pain meds uh, which was terrible for you and he talks about it he's like it's so so bad for you what they give you um, just because they don't want you to use cannabis or whatnot and then he eventually got into using cannabis and he's like I, I'm sleeping properly like I'm when I wake up in the morning I can move right and then he ended up uh, starting his own um, starting his own business after he had his uh, he had so his grandma had glaucoma and he he had her like like she's like a super religious, like think about like a typical like Teta from the church. Like that that is what he explained. Like his mom, like she loves to read her Bible. She doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't even recognize any of that as a thing. Yeah. Uh, and then for years and years, he just kept asking her, use it, use it, use it. And uh, one day she finally gave in. The pain was just too much. And she's like, I've because of this, I've read my Bible for the first time in years. So, at that point, it solidified it for him. he took it and and ran with it now he has a business sure. so it's uh yeah it's it's a lot of people once they really open their mind and and become educated and really try to understand it they they really see the upside of it. but I think there's a lot of things with within the Egyptian culture too, like just with stigmas where we're not open to change at all for sure there's it's like
1: a lot worse in our community, like it's a lot stronger that stigma. Um,
0: for sure man even even i thought when it became legal here that things would maybe change or like our approach would maybe change a little bit but it just it just the issue is that they're not educating people enough on it it's just one of those things where it's like don't do it and then when you tell a bunch of kids don't do it you're gonna get a good amount of them doing it just so they can explore it understand it where it's like yo this should not be taboo like like, this shouldn't be taboo at all. Like, the like everyone knows that there's drinking that happens at weddings. And like you said, alcohol is far more detrimental for you. So I think uh, it's great. It's honestly amazing to have Coptic people in that space because it breaks down the barriers. Like you said, and broke down the barriers for people like you. You're breaking down the barriers for a lot of other people as well. So it's, it's definitely amazing to have the exposure into that industry.
1: For sure. And yeah, it's, again, it's a lot stronger in our community, that stigma. But... Uh, that stigma exists everywhere. Like it it exists still today, all over the place. Uh, I'll tell you a really quick story, kind of ties in this and, um, you know, the the God's plan or path for you. So I was looking at uh, an office space in Port Credit, you know, kind of liked Port Credit, I liked that area. Um, and I was really close to signing the lease. And the landlord looked me up on LinkedIn, and they saw that I work with cannabis companies or we do cannabis insurance. Uh, and that was the reason that I didn't get the lease, uh, believe it or not. They, they saw cannabis and thought, man, these guys are just going to sit here and and smoke cannabis all day and not pay their bills. Like that's the picture they had in their head where realistically, um, the cannabis insurance is the reason I'm going to pay my rent. Right. So, um, that stigma like still exists even outside of our community. Um, and sorry, that story For sure. to tie in, that was God saying, no, don't go to Port. Not
0: Cook, the right one.
1: Come to Air Mills. Seriously, man. And, um, when I found out, I was obviously a little disappointed, but I knew, like, I immediately told myself and I told my wife, I'm like, yeah, it's not the one and God's going to find the one. And sure enough, man, he, he found me one five minutes from my parents' house from where I grew up. So, um, yeah, that stigma is, is alive and well, and I, I think it's going to take a while to to kind of get rid of it. Like, it's not going to go away easily. You know, it was illegal; it still is illegal in in most of the world. But it's it's going to take, like you said, education. Um, you know, just just people really understanding what it is and and comparing it to stuff that's a lot worse. Like, if you go to a pharmacist or a doctor, even, and they'll give you pills and pills without too much uh, questions, right? Where uh, I remember, you know, cannabis, I probably five to 10 years, man, I was asking my doctor because I had back pain and I had knee pain and uh, I was asking him about it. Like I didn't necessarily say, hey, I, I prescribe me cannabis, but I just asked what you think about it. Can it help? Um, and for years, he just kept saying, no, it's too much work. We would have to like have all these different protocols before we could even prescribe it for you, but he was ready to prescribe me many other drugs so um, eventually when when uh, a new doctor kind of came in and took over for him, uh, I, I ended up asking him and he was a younger guy and and uh, yeah, he prescribed me CBD and uh, it's helped me you know deal with pain, backs, knees uh, you might be a little young for the the vacu defade. But... Eventually, you'll know what I'm talking about.
0: (laughs) Definitely have never felt back pain over here, but I don't know what you're talking about. I'm way too young for that. (laughs) Uh, Insurance advisors in the Coptic community, it's very, very hard to find. So did you have a mentor uh, in this space uh, specifically? Because I know that you mentioned earlier, uh, you have a lot of entrepreneurial, I guess, background in your family. So you grew up around a lot of people who have that mindset um, so that could have, you know, uh, influenced you to being an entrepreneur, but, uh, did you have a mentor, someone that you look up to that someone that you would say without, you know, that person or those people, I would not be where I am today.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I quickly told you the story, uh, before about the shepherd group and, and meeting Neil. And I think, uh, that's someone that definitely showed me the way. And, and till today I, I call him my mentor and, and we're great friends, um, so for insurance specifically, yeah, that's, that's somebody that guided me and, and helped me. And I think, I think everybody needs some kind of mentor, uh, one way or another, right? Like you need some kind of guidance, some kind of support to help you more than anything, just give you that confidence. Like somebody believes in you. And I think that's something that, that Bessem really did for me. Like he believed in me to handle, you know, a big organization's insurance before I really knew or believed in myself. Um, and I think that that's huge to have someone to to really support you and, and believe in what you're doing. Uh, and again, it's not necessarily, you know, somebody that, that you look to and and call to to help you get in or out of certain things. It's more knowing that that somebody is there to uh, to back you up and, and to help you and, and support you when the time comes. And I think Neil uh, at the Shepherd Group did did a great uh, job of that for me. And he saw something in me, and and I saw something in him that I knew. Um, this is the kind of guy that I, I wanted to kind of follow. It's funny because in his personal life, um, he had a lot of different things going on, and he right. would kind of ask me advice because at the time, I guess I was you know just getting um, it was before marriage, but I was a little more uh, calm than him. Like he was older <laughs> than me, but he would he would party and he would go out, um, and he would always ask me to come party with him, and I it just kind of wasn't my thing. So, in his personal life, he would almost you know, not directly, but he would ask for a little bit of advice and guidance. Um, and then in my professional life, I would ask him to, to help me through certain things. So we kind of helped each other. But at the end of the day, I think looking up to, to him in insurance and professionally was huge. Uh, at the same time, I think it was important for me to recognize, like, he's going to help me with this aspect of certain things when it comes to, you know, uh, my family and and my relationship with God and the church, he's not going to be able to to provide any benefit there, right? So, um, absolutely, it was, it was almost uh, eye opening for me to realize, like, hey, yes, this is great. At the end of the day, you don't want to, um, you know, follow this mentor or even like an idol. You don't want to do everything they do. You have to pick and choose um, what works best for you in your situation, right? So, that was one hundred percent. And I think, um, yeah, just having people like uh, JP, who who you interviewed, um, and and Natalie, his wife, and you know other people in our in our community that are a little bit older, and that I think uh, you're going to get a lot of them on your show, I hope. But just people who who were successful before us, and people who kind of showed us that, yeah, work work your butt off, and you can have X, Y, and Z. So growing up in the church, we always looked up and. You know, there was people who started owning pharmacies and and bringing in, you know, beautiful benzes that you've never seen. So I think, you know, mentorship in terms of um, somebody I could call on and and help in the industry, definitely Neil. Um, But in terms of just guidance, you know, having just knowing that you can do more and and you can go get what you want. uh, A lot of that came from seeing people in our community, in our church. Uh, achieve those certain goals, right? So you kind of knew that this is, uh, the norm or should be and can be the norm for you if you work your butt off and if you, if you're honest and if you trust God's plan. And I think, uh, many of those people did that, right? They, they did it through the church and, and they did it honestly, right? They, they worked hard. For sure. They didn't take any shortcuts. So just seeing those, uh, ahead of us, I guess, and above us, I think, Uh, Subconsciously showed me that yeah you you have a chance to achieve whatever it is you want uh, as long as you kind of put put God first above everything uh, and work your butt off and and a lot of people from our community showed those values uh, really young right
0: No, I, I I couldn't agree more Fetty and that was actually that was amazing man this has been like the the quickest passing hour ever like I I honestly did not even realize where the time had gone fatty I just want to thank you again man for hopping on and giving us all your expertise and talking about you know the, the, the industry the cannabis industry but also your path through insurance um and and we really appreciate it man and myself you know I I always you know believe in what you do and anyone that comes to me I always refer them your way so I'm super happy to see uh the brokerage man come together and I and I hope for all the best honestly man
1: Thank you, Fatty. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, before I should kind of throw you a plug, uh, Fatty has supported me before basketball, before, uh, we really built a relationship. Like, um, Fatty has sent me a ton, a ton of people and, and referrals. And, you know, more, more than anything, it's, it's not a matter of, yeah, me getting that business and, and making money off it. It just shows, uh, who's there, who's going to support you. Um, you know who's cheering and who's on your side, right? Who's rooting for you? And you've done 100%. that for me, like from the beginning, man. So I, I'm really thankful for that. And I, I wouldn't be yeah. here like in my own office. I actually just interviewed a sales guy today. So hopefully, bringing on a sales guy, like I wouldn't be here growing this business without people like you, people like Bessem, um, you know, other people peter awad I, we didn't really get to speak about him but um
0: no no but peter's on my chase list for this awesome, uh for the awesome. podcast
1: whatever you need i'll make sure he does the podcast um i oh, have I a, appreciate a great that, relationship man. with peter and peter is a beast um he's really good at what he does but people like that who have continuously supported me and and helped me um just achieve and and have that Kind of mindset of like keep going and keep pushing yourself. So thanks to to you guys and people in our community who have 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 really helped me get here. I uh, I wouldn't be don't here. Even mention it, man. Without without the church and uh, and without the community uh, of the church. Right.
0: Yeah. Don't don't even mention it. Man, it's anytime. Uh, I feel like I have that same uh, passion for uplifting and empowering the community as well. Hopefully one day. I can put some money in people's pockets. But uh, until then, <laughs> I'll be interviewing them. But uh, again, Fatty, thanks so much for hopping on the show, man. I'll let you have Pleasure. the rest of your evening back. Say hi to the family and uh, best of luck with the brokerage, man. Thanks, thanks for coming for on. me.
1: All the best, man. Take care.
0: Yeah, take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Fatty Camel of All Ris- Risks Insurance. Um, wow, what a packed conversation. And I love how Fatty uh he's always tying it back to to god's plan and god's will and and a lot of times like um i can i can speak on this personally where it just it's tough you know sometimes it, the going really does get tough and you always ask yourself like why what did i do to deserve this you know what did i you know i work hard i treat people well i i have good intentions i want to help people i want to be genuine but then, you know, certain things don't work out. And, and it just sometimes it gets you thinking, like, what what am I doing wrong? What am I doing to upset, you know, uh, to upset God? And what really resonated with me with what Fetty said is it's just you, know, you got to wait for the right time. Like sometimes God has something in store for you, whether it's a few years down the road. And he was saying, like, he had plenty of interviews and he worked his butt off and he tried uh, and it didn't work out until obviously at the end it did. And it couldn't have worked out better. He's close to home. Hours are great. Um, Obviously, now he has the flexibility of managing his own firm. Uh, So we're happy to see that, Ferry. We're wishing all risks, all the best, and you all the best as well. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm I'm really glad you tuned in for this episode. I hope you uh, enjoy the content and uh, keep tuning in for more. We have plenty of amazing, amazing Coptic uh, guests coming on, entrepreneurs, business people, uh, people who are just chasing their dreams and chasing their passions. And I'm super excited to to share everything with you guys. But for now, I'll have to catch you all later. See ya.